and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We thank you for joining us for this episode. Reminder, Moonshine Jesus Show is brought to you by progressivechristianity.org. We certainly hope that you will go and check out all the incredible resources there, as well as, you know, make sure you follow Moonshine Jesus Show on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, and any place that you get your podcast. I am joined today with my good buddy, Caleb. Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, Mark. A nice winter day in San Diego. How are, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great today as well. I uh, I don't want to hear about a winter day in San Diego that doesn't get below 65 <laughs> degrees. That's fine, whatever. I am excited, though. What I do want to hear about mm-hmm. is uh, what you're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about Disney's Willow, the follow-up mm-hmm. to the, I think, a movie that came out 32 years ago. Um, and... Our cocktails, I don't know about you, I had a difficult time seeing anything that was out there that people had done. I'm not surprised that that no one's really thought through what to do for a cocktail on Willow. But So that makes me very curious about what you decided to do with this. Yeah, so I didn't take inspiration from anyone else. I took inspiration from the, the main drink that we see in Willow, huh? the... Okay what I'm calling worm juice. So the, <laughs> the orangey yellow liquid yeah. uh, that uh-huh. has some relationship with the worm that we're not really worm, clear yeah. on mm-hmm. what it is, what but it somehow is, exactly. marks uh, this person's decision to mm. follow the worm. And so I guess by drinking this today, that's what I'm going to be doing. I've got an Oh my goodness, I'm worried about this. Liquid. I know, right? Who knows what direction this podcast is going to turn after I drink this. So I'm just drinking a classic mimosa today, Mark. Orange juice and champagne. But it is this nice orangey-yellow color, just like the worm juice. That works pretty well for worm juice. That's a creative way of approaching it. I took a really easy way out. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I just went with the name Willow. And I'm stealing a cocktail from a completely different movie. Uh, from the Harry Potter series, there's a cocktail okay, called yeah. a Whomping Willow, which is the big tree that caught the car. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm, the Whomping mm-hmm. Willow. Uh, it is uh, two parts vodka, two parts a- sour apple liqueur, and a half part lime juice. And it comes out with this really quite lovely Ooh, greenish tint. Yes. I'm very curious to try it. Though. I'm worried that it's going to be way too sweet. And, I mean, way too sweet and, and way too sour all at the same time. Let's see. Ah, it's it's okay. Yes, yeah, much better than I anticipated. It'll be good to have mm. during the show for sure. How's your I'm how's ready. your mimosa? Well, you I'm love ready a mimosa. to. Are you, are you always to, always got to love you, a mimosa? I'm I'm ready to devote my life to the worm now. Is, I was wondering <laughs> if you are already communing yeah. with the worm. I'm, I am. I am right worried now. about where this will take the show, but we have no choice but to uh, continue on and see where it may lead us, particularly you. So uh, thank you all again for being with us. We will catch you on the other side of this drop.
welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're going into our geeking out section where we're going to geek out about the movie Willow. And then later on, we'll talk about the theology and the politics of this show. Willow is the Disney Plus fantasy adventure television series based on and serving as a sequel to the 1988 film of the same name. It has been nearly 17 years since... Uh, Queen Bavmorda was defeated. An unlikely group of six heroes sets off on a dangerous quest to places far beyond their home where they must face their inner demons and come mm. together to save the world from the gales. An epic adventure, if ever I've heard one. So, Mark, <laughs> I know that you love fantasy kind of oh, yeah. stuff. And, and, uh, I, I'm curious, were you a fan of the 1988 movie? Have you seen that? And if so, how do you think this did as a continuation of the story? Yeah, I was a big fan of the 1988 uh, movie. Uh, and, and and for a long time was just always waiting, is there going to be a sequel? Is there going to be a sequel? Um, I vaguely remember, the, remember a, a, a trilogy of books coming out afterwards that uh, – kind of uh, followed Laura Dannon in her teen years a little bit. And I, I, I can't remember if I read it. I feel like I did a little bit. Uh, it doesn't matter now because this new series kind of makes that not part of canon anymore since Laura Dannon, as we learned, didn't know that she was a Laura Dannon for a while there. Um, I think they did a really nice job of updating it and giving it a contemporary relevance. I also like that the fact that it was made in 1988, the movie, and so there wasn't much diversity going on there. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought they did a really nice job of, of bringing diversity back into um, into the storyline and making a lot of folks who were definitely not present in the first in terms of groups of folks that are marginalized being very present and very important in the storyline. So I, I was kind of a fun of it, fan of it. And I liked that they turned up the, the humor on it. The yeah. It's, it's a much more humorous take, uh, even though there's plenty of action and plenty of things to, to kind of be tense about. They do this wonderful job of breaking it up with humor. So I've enjoyed that a lot. How about you? What's your history with it? And 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 where, what did you think about the, this new uh, approach? They, they're calling it volume two. So I had never seen Willow and I still have not seen the movie Willow. Oh, so what I know about Willow is what they gave me at the very beginning of the okay. series is kind of a recap of the movie. My wife yeah. loved the movie. And so okay. we watched this whole thing together and she kind of filled me in on what happened gotcha. in the movie. Nice. Uh, so uh, oddly enough, I, I had no experience with it. I, I enjoyed it. I felt like it, it took a few episodes to mm -hmm. really figure out what it was doing. And I felt like yeah. the, the actors were all pretty new. And I yeah. I, I think some of them, maybe the, the actress who was playing Alora in particular, it, it took a little while to figure out the character. And maybe that had something to do with the fact that there were a couple of characters where it seemed like they were one person and then about halfway through the series, we find out they're really someone Something else. else. And, right. and maybe that's part of what that confusion was about yeah. or that yeah. a, a little bit of uh, soft footing. Uh, it felt like it was yeah, about, no. but I, I felt like all in all, it, it was good. A good series. I can see that. And, and part of it might be, and I don't remember the full details of it, but this started filming right as COVID. Hit. And mm -hmm. so 
getting into those characters, we, it's hard to say, did they film a little bit and then got completely shut down? And so there was some separation from the character and, and the character development. I don't know, but that could have been part of it, but I agree. I felt like the, it, it, some of the characters, the actors and actresses clearly weren't as identifying as strongly early on. Uh, and for sure, I agree. They, they took too long to get the story going. And then somewhere around, I think it was episode five, mm-hmm. they really didn't do anything. They just kind of hung out and had a good time and partied and it didn't move the storyline. And I was like, ah, when you're already struggling with getting this story going and getting people to buy into it, how do you just do nothing for an episode? I mean, that's do you hilarious. That? That, yes. Okay. So it's hilarious that you would identify that episode as the one that you, is like the stole, because that's the episode where I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can get into this show. I don't know why, but there's something about that. I think it's, so much. <laughs> it's, 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 it's in that episode. It's in that episode where we kind of find out, uh, you know, who the characters are a little bit more. And mm-hmm. I, I felt like maybe they were they were leaning into that. I'm like, okay, well, this is why it, it was so right. it was so shaky. And and so that was the episode where I'm like. I actually kind of enjoyed that. I I want to see what happened. The episode right, that did it right. for me, Mark, was yeah. the, the the next to the last episode, I think, where they spent, I would say, half to three quarters of the episode trudging across the sea. I, yeah. I mean, it felt like we were literally going on that adventure <laughs> with them. <laughs> and uh, I... I yeah. I thought uh, this has to be torture for them because it's kind of torture for me to watch them day after day going <laughs> through this sea. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I get. I the, get that. Yeah, I get that. I wonder if some of that, particularly for a couple of characters like Graydon, I wonder if some yeah. of that wasn't doing exactly what you said Episode Five did for you in terms of yeah. it. It was building up the characters in a way that you could connect with them and identify with them, even though it wasn't necessarily moving the story along. I do think, uh, particularly uh, some of the things we see Graydon do, I have a suspicion that that they may have been fleshing his character out because we really didn't get a lot of that in his character. But his character all of a sudden becomes very important in the story, and so I, I, I wonder if that's not part of what was going on. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I bet that's something maybe we'll talk about later. Is is his yeah. character uh, more? Because it, it seems like they've set him up uh, during mm-hmm. the next season to play a different kind of and maybe more important role. Um, as we're talking about the characters, Mark, I think the the big character we've got to talk about is that uh, Mad Mardigan Val Kilmer is right. not in in this series really. I in in the same way. Uh, right. Do, do, do you think it worked without without him? I think Borman kind of gave us a little bit of that character. So I do think that it worked uh, enough. I don't think, though, that we're necessarily not going to see him show up in, in this. We know we're going to get another set, at least another season. We weren't sure when the whole season started, but it was wildly popular. So we know that we're going to get that. I think we're going to see him again. I don't think it really hurt not bringing him in. I kind of get, well, Val, Val Kilmer with 
how much of a star he is at this point might have been waiting to see, it, you know, is this done well? Is it successful? And that's one of the things we need to talk about is the quality of this show was off the charts. Whether you thought like they developed the, the characters fast enough or told the story fast enough, the, the, the scenery, they did so much on, uh, uh, on live locations, which were incredible. The, um, the CGI work was incredible. Uh, the, the special effects were all wonderful. It was just a beautifully shot and, and really incredibly well-directed um, um, uh, series, I thought. And so I think they've proven themselves. I think we could get Val to, to show up. And, and I think I remember reading an interview at one point that he, he said he's not ruling it out. Yeah. So yeah. I know you aren't really familiar with his character from the original. But yeah. your, your wife, what did she, what was her kind of take on him not being in it? Yeah, so uh, so she uh, she felt like it, it worked well, and that you know he was referenced. We got to hear from the character, you know, at different mm-hmm. points, uh, which I think made it feel connected. And I know right. Val Kilmer's own health is probably a, a lot of that. Absolutely. And if he does come in the future, it, it may be a similar kind of role like he had in, in Top Gun Maverick, where it's kind of a cameo that explains why his character can't be there right. anymore. We get to say goodbye in, in some yeah. kind of a, a, a way. So, but I agree with you about the, about the set piece. I mean, one of the reasons we want to watch fantasy is to go into another world. And yeah. a lot of times the places where fantasy films or TV series falls short is really creating another world. And this does create another world for us. It's it's yeah. going somewhere else. We get to experience this this new place. There was some great world building. We got to go on an epic adventure. We got to see a lot of different places, and there were a lot of places alluded to that we didn't get to get to see. So I yeah. I agree. I think it I think it's fun. I think that they left a, a lot of possibilities for things that they can do in the next season, and I think they did a, a great job of, of making us want to see how the story continues. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, uh, do, you, do you have thoughts about what do you think is going to happen in, in the next season, Mark? Uh, well, I, what do you think we have to look forward to? I do think that it's going to be really interesting. I, I, I think they're going to set us up for some possible uh, character twists that don't, in my opinion, probably aren't going to show up. I, I, I don't want to reveal too much because one of my questions that I've got might be related to this. So I'm really not for, for our Make Me Look Stupid segment. <laughs> So I'm trying to take your question, much. Mark. I, 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 I know. Want you to, I, I want just, you to give all the answers right now. Keep, you and, just keep doing this to me, man. I don't understand. That's what, why I'm always prepared with two now. But, you know, I, I think that they've been very careful, even though they weren't sure. They did a great job about not knowing while they were filming this if there was going to be a second season. Because you both get right at the very, almost the very end of the last episode, as they're all walking back across the, the big shallow lake and yeah. the behind the scenes shot from the back, we see them walking away and then you get that nice little freeze frame. And, and it's sort of reminiscent of how the Willow movie ended. So they gave us kind of a conclusion, but then they gave that little tag where we, where we get to see Graydon's character and what's happening to him. Um, yeah. So they gave us just enough to say, if there is another season, here's some interesting things going on. 
that could play a major uh, role. And we also have, well, we can talk about some of the other stuff. So I, I think they did a really great job of setting it up. It's also why I think that they gave um, Graydon a little more uh, in, in the penultimate episode, they gave him a little more time and a little more character development. I think there's some really interesting things that could go on with it. I think so too. I, that's one of the challenges, right, of a of a first season, especially yeah. something like this. That I mean, Willow kind of has a cult following, but it's not immensely popular, I don't think. Mm -hmm. As a, a and so it's a bit of a risk. And so uh, yeah. doing something that feels like closure, but also adds uh, adds possibility for the future and uh, world expansion is important. One of the other characters I want to talk about before we leave this segment is mm -hmm. uh, Willow himself, Warwick Davis. Yeah. And so uh, one of the interesting things I think about Willow is that it stars a, a little person, Warwick right. Davis, right? but it doesn't make a huge deal out of that aspect of who Not at he all. is. That's just part yeah. of what the character is. And he's hes a, a star of the show. How do you feel about <laughs> th that approach in in Hollywood films? I mean, he's also playing, yeah. he's also not playing a little person, but, a, a, you know, a, a, a subset of uh, people in, in this right. universe. So what do you think it's, about that yeah. approach? Oh, I, I really like what they've done. And I really like, as you pointed out, that they that it's, they don't call attention to, like, it'd be so easy to play into the, the old trope of, uh, yes, he's a small person, but he can do big things. And they don't do any of that. He, he just happens to come from a group of folks who who are the height that he is. And, and I think it was really set up well. Um, George Lucas is the one who, he wrote the original screenplay Willow for Warwick Davis. Like, it was all because he had worked with him on Star Wars, really liked him, thought he was a great actor, and wanted mm -hmm. to give him a starring role of some sort and wrote a whole thing for him. And I think it was really thought out well. They <clears throat> started in the original movie. They did the same thing where it wasn't anything about his size, and that would have been so easy to go to. So I think they handled it in a very respectful way and, and more in the way that you know, the world should operate. It's just to see people as people and and value them for who they are and what they do it's it's yeah i, I mean what was your take Did you... man yeah i i like that if only we could just do that see people for who they are and uh not try right. to define them based on uh, on on looks or or certain attributes about uh, mm -hmm. ethnicity or cultural kinds of things if yeah. we could just view people for who they are so that is something that i really liked about this and that really stood out for me so hey mark we could we could geek out about this for a long time there's a whole lot yeah. here we had eight episodes and we uh, and built on the movie but you know what there are also a lot of theological and political uh overtures in Absolutely. this series yep. and we need to get into talking to those so let's take a quick break and let's come back and let's talk about the theo politico stuff in willow <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Theopolitico segment. We, as we continue to look at 
part two of Willow, the uh, series from Disney. Um, so one of the big questions that I'd like to talk about is something that uh, Willow alludes to, doesn't really allude to it, he kind of directly says that uh, in, in the universe, there's this balance that exists between light and mm -hmm. shadow and good and evil, and that when the balance is broken, the universe itself has to step in to correct it. Um, I'm wondering what you think about that uh, kind of moral outlook, and even from a theological perspective, is there any truth behind that? Is any reality behind that? And uh, what what is the universe's role when that, if it's even a, a thing, when it gets out of balance, is the is there a role of the universe that has to bring it back into balance? Is there something wrong with it leaning like too far towards the good? I don't know. But he seemed to he seemed to imply that it had to remain in perfect balance for it to be wrong. So there were several things throughout the series that struck me as kind of Taoist, uh, because mm. there was also a lot of talk about magic running through the universe and being connected right. to the magic. And if you're in tune with it, then you can do with uh, what the magic is, is leading you to do. There was a lot of that kind of talk throughout the series. And so mm -hmm. it, it struck me uh, as a really Taoist kind of thing, because that's the understanding, yeah. right? That you're, if you're open to the Tao, the way that the universe kind of naturally directs you into, yeah. into what you're, you're doing and where you get into trouble is whenever you stop going along with the universe's flow. There's, there's this theory that the, that the universe kind of naturally pushes you and you need to be open to whatever mm -hmm. the universe right. is pushing you towards and you, and you shouldn't fight against that. And so um, I think there, I think there is truth to that. Um, that that uh, that there is be an openness, like if you're open to things that are happening in your life, uh, you might call it Tao, you might call it God, you might call it the universe, uh, you, mm -hmm. you might call it vibes. Well, I don't know, <laughs> whatever it is. I think right. that there is something that that if you allow yourself to be open to it open to what is going on naturally around you and you allow yourself to kind of experience that that mm -hmm. that, that that is something that is true and that sometimes we cause uh, suffering or we cause um, even even moral wrongdoing from from trying to fight uh, that 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 is naturally happening. Uh, mm. As far as the the universe stepping in when things get out of balance, um, I don't know uh, I, that the universe steps in. I think I think it's more that that we have to step in right. when things get out of balance, and, and especially if things get out of bad balance on the bad side of things, that we have to step in. And uh, like Martin Luther King Jr. said, right been the moral arc of the universe right. <laughs> back towards justice, back towards good. Uh, what did you think of, of that? Whole well, thing? I, I actually uh, found that that kind of uh, perspective, I, I, like it, it shows up a lot in fantasy and it's fine. Mm -hmm. But I, I think when we, one of the great things about fantasy is that you get to move into a different world and experience and mm -hmm. think about things without the trappings of our world that might bend our way of thinking in one direction or another. Mm -hmm. um, this one is one of the tropes that I really find the least helpful because uh, mm -hmm. it does seem to suggest that there needs to be this balance between good and evil in, in the universe. And for me, uh, like the, the folks that I look up 
to the most to in, in our real world are the folks that are trying to bend the moral arc of the universe towards justice, that are trying to create more good in the world so that there is a balance that leans more towards good and less towards evil. Um, and I would have liked, I would like to see a fantasy show that talks about uh, the necessity of that for survival, that we have to be not in balance, but we need to be leaning towards and building towards the good that can be and recognizing the good. They do such a great job in this show of recognizing the good. As a matter of fact, it's this constant theme of their little band of six folks who are out to try to, 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 to rescue Eric. Um, it's a constant theme of someone doubting themselves and then someone else within the party saying, I believe in you. You can do this. You know, we can make it better. And so there's this constant call uh, that defines the group of, of leaning towards good and building off of good. But then they all of a sudden have this discussion about how there has to be a, a balance. And for me, I, I, I'm, I don't see that at all. And I definitely don't think the universe will step in to cor correct it in any way. Yeah. Um, I, I would suspect that the universe is somewhat indifference about our doings. Um, yeah. And that it's up to us to 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 do that that kind of work. Um, I, I would love to see a fantasy uh, show that really pushes that it's important to to build on good and to have more good. Yeah, yeah, I I I like that, Mark. And I, I'm thinking too in terms of like uh, liberation theology. And mm -hmm. so uh, uh, one of the th one of the things I've been thinking about uh, a lot is that we often want. Uh, a, a grand liberation like the universe we want the universe to step in and do a great deal of good for us that's right. that, that's one issue that i have with liberation theology is that uh the liberation theology tends to have this narrative that god is going to come in and liberate right. all of god's people in one fail swoop and if we look at history <laughs> it doesn't seem like that really happens a lot no and uh the way it often seems like it happens is through little liberations and dedicated people winning hard, hard fought fights. So like the exodus yep. from Egypt, right? There's no historical evidence that ever happened, but there is right. historical evidence that several small exoduses happened over happened. the period of several centuries. And so if Absolutely. we look to that to inform a, a theory of revolution, or of, uh, of mm -hmm. uh, liberation, then it's, then it's talking about God liberating people through their own actions, through dedicated work over an extended period of time. And it, it's hard fought fight. So I'm, I'm with you. I, that's to say, I don't think that the universe comes in and, and sweeps things out, but, but it is, it is us through our dedicated actions that, that changes things. So maybe that's Mark, uh, if you want to see that, maybe you need to create your own fantasy. <laughs> fantasy? Yeah. Who knows? I'll do it in my yeah. spare time. I'll do it in my spare time. Uh, good. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure you. <laughs> so I'm I, sure you've got a I, lot of it. I want to shift. I want to shift gears a little bit right now. Yeah. Um, one of the things that struck me, uh, and, and I guess this usually does when I see it in any any movie, really, is a, a, a Laura Dannon. Uh, it finds out who she is and what her who she's supposed to be how she's supposed to play a, a, a big, important role. And there's a point at which uh, she's breaking down and she goes, I don't want to be a Laura Dannon. Um, for me, that reminds me so much of call stories because in a lot of ways, she's being called to be this person. 
and I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about the reoccurrence and call stories of folks saying, not me. Uh, even in talking to other minister's friends, it's amazing the number of times that a minister uh, was having some feeling that maybe ministry was the thing they should do, but ultimately kept going, yeah, here's a reason why I shouldn't, I shouldn't do it and why someone else do it and that kind of thing. So I'm curious why you think that happens uh, and what, what will then move into what happens when she finally accepts her call. But first of all, let's talk about the denying of a call story, where that comes from, and why do, why do we think that happens? I think that in, in this series and whenever we see that in, in movies or in stories or something like that, we see that to add a touch of drama to where will this person fulfill sure. their, their destiny, in quotes, right. or not. Uh, and, and certainly we see that in the Bible as almost a pre, prerequisite, especially for prophets being called, mm -hmm. that, uh, that oh, they yeah. have to have some kind of a struggle with God. And I think in a lot of church traditions, people don't consider a call to be valid unless you've had some kind of a struggle with yeah, God. And so I think fair. sometimes people are trained <laughs> into that. And uh, maybe this is just me speaking out of my experience, because I didn't really have a, a, a situation like that where I felt like I had to wrestle with God as to whether or not I was being called. A lot of times yep. whenever I've heard people struggle with with their call to ministry, like, well, I thought maybe I shouldn't do this and I didn't know if I was supposed to do this or not. Sometimes I've thought, well, maybe that is your intuition telling you that this isn't a good idea. And maybe, hey, hey, maybe, maybe hey, you careful should now. listen to it. Careful now. I, I went through that. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I get right. it. Maybe, I'm not saying this for maybe everybody, I Mark. Uh, but, I, but I am saying that sometimes yeah. <laughs> there are people who have said, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone into ministry. And I've thought, well, maybe you should have. Maybe you shouldn't have gone. <laughs> you know, maybe. maybe I, I, I feel like I'm getting called out all of a sudden. I don't know. This is. Well, I, for, for me, I think, see, I see almost the, and, and I guess experience yeah. has a lot to do with it in terms of personal yeah. experience. I see almost the opposite of it. Yeah, in the movie, they do it for drama, um, yeah. but they they also do it because there is something romantic, and I think also I, I uh, intellectually important about a person who's being called towards something that's that big, uh, not just wishing hard oh i've got to have that because you don't necessarily want that kind of influence and power to go in a, the hands of a, a an egomaniac who desperately wants to be in that kind of place so there is something about character building in movies to have a character go through that to say okay i feel comfortable with this person moving into that because they really kind of recognize that there's something in them that's, that, that doesn't necessarily want to have that kind of responsibility and that kind of power and I think that that can also, I don't think you're incorrect that sometimes you should trust your intuition, but I think it also sometimes can be reflective of a person who is recognizing that whatever it is that they feel like they might should be moving towards in their life is a big deal and that they're doubting whether or not they want to take all of that on. And, that, and, and there is a bit of this, here's me talking about me being humble. Um, it is a bit of humility uh, in recognizing that is a lot of power. And I don't know if I'm the person that should have it. And then going through and grappling with whether or not that should work. It, it, in a lot of ways, I think 
can help a person become a very good leader uh, because they come at it from a place of, of a little bit of, of humility and recognizing how important what they're doing is. I, I, that's a good point, Mark. And in, in all seriousness, Matt Flooding has written a lot about this. Uh, it, yeah. It's a, a book called Flourishing in Ministry. And there are three different paths that he's identified through research to the ways that mm -hmm. people enter ministry. And so, uh, for instance, I, I entered into ministry through a, a gradual call, like a gradual yeah. realization and early in life. Like, a, 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 but there, but there are other, uh, there are other types of calls that people have. And uh, the, uh, and one is like, uh, a sudden realization, like uh, especially in Pentecostal type churches, where oh, people absolutely, have yeah. a, a, a a real vivid God experience that feel that feels like a conversion, and, I, and mm -hmm. the second one I think, is, uh, or because that's the third kind, I think the second kind is is a, a realization that you're in the wrong kind of field, and often a struggle with uh, with God and with yourself. And this right. whole different conception of yourself is a really a natural path. And I think that the second path that they identified to, to ministry. And so I, I think you're right that it's important to also recognize a variety of ways that people come right. into ministry and how that helps them be better suited for different types of ministries. Absolutely. 100%. Well, we could go on and on about that. And I had two mm -hmm. or three more kind of uh, theological questions I was wanting to pick your brain on, but look, We've dug in pretty deep on a couple of them, and, and I really have appreciated the conversation. But uh, it is time uh, for us to take another break so that we can come back to one of our favorites, if not favorite segment, uh, the Make Me Look Stupid segment. Welcome to our final segment of the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we are talking about Willow, and we are going to try to ask each other questions to make our co-hosts <laughs> look stupid. And so I, I have a question for you about Graydon, Mark, but it kind of sounded yep. like you had a question for me about Graydon. And so I'm not That's sure. Right. So here, here's what, it might be the same question, do. but I got backups. I'm used to you stealing my questions, so go for it. Well, here's the thing, Mark. Uh, yeah. since, since it sounds like uh, maybe we might be thinking similar things, I'm going to let you ask your question first. Since since I have stolen your question in the past, uh, I'm going <laughs> well, to let you go first you know, this time. Uh, we, we, we are both uh, way too nice of, of guys because here's what I'm going to do. That's right. I'm going to ask my other questions since you have a question about <laughs> that That way, you know, I'm not okay. – I don't want to ever – I, here's the part of me that's not the good guy. I don't want to ever do to you what you did to me. So <laughs> I'm not going to steal your question. I'm not going to steal your question. All right. Okay. So, all right. All right. When the crone died, when the old woman who, you know, was yeah. part somehow associated with the worm and all of that, uh, mm -hmm. as she died, she said that making Eric the her harbinger, harbinger was always in the plan. Mm-hmm. And when he dies and we bring him back to life, he has some very noticeable scars that are on him now that 
hard for me not to believe maybe that's connected to the crone still having some hold on him. So as we look at what's going to possibly happen in the next episode, what do you think is going on with Eric? Uh, is he going to, is she still have some hold on him? And what do you think, if so, what do you think might play out? And if not, what role do you think it'll play? Here's something I've learned, Mark, from uh, from movies and, and series like this. You don't get to uh, kiss uh, a beautiful person who turns out to be this dusty crypt kind of thing uh, without there being some lingering after effects. Once you have kissed that being, they, they somehow get into your soul. And so I think, (laughs) I think that the, this crone uh, has somehow entered into Eric and that there are going to be residual effects and that, that Eric is now going to have a connection with the worm, but it's not going to be immediately obvious to those around him, and it is yeah. going to reveal its ways at in at first subtle and growingly uh, uh, more noticeable ways throughout the second season as as he becomes more of a harbinger. And I think by the end of the second season, they will uh, exercise the yes. uh, the worm out of him. What do you What do you think? Well, I suspect you're right, particularly about the by the end of the second season. Uh, I actually have, and, and uh, here I go saying, I'm not going to steal your question, but I actually have this theory about Eric and what's going to happen that involves Graydon. So should I hold off on that for your question? Yes, hold on, hold on. Okay. Because right. here's, here's right. my question. This is a great transition. This is what I want to know, okay. Mark. All right, here okay. we go. So I want to know, at, at the end, Gray, uh, Graydon is in this the, this place with the, with the worm and he, he sees... Mm-hmm. Elora, I, I want to no. know: Is that really Elora? Is Graydon is Graydon still alive? Does he have some kind of a deep connection with the worm? And you're about to explain it all to us anyway, so I'm ready to know, Mark. <laughs> all right. So here, here's my theory, anyway. Uh, okay. No, that is not Elora. That's some evil. I, I think that that is some manifestation of the worm in as much as the crone was some manifestation and it's maybe still be the crone just in whatever that hellscape was that they're in. And she's going to try to win Graydon over. I think what's going to happen is that the folks that are back with Willow are going to start to figure out through some clues and stuff. They're going to start figuring out that maybe Graydon isn't dead. Maybe he's in another universe, an alternate universe, or the or, or a living afterlife or something. And I think what's going to happen is I th- I'm with you. I think that once you once you kiss evil, the evil is within you unless it gets cast out in some way in, in these storylines. And so I do think Eric is going to uh, have this evilness in him. And what we're going to see is him convincing everyone that what we need to do is go rescue Graydon. And you do that by opening that door again and letting him out. But what he's really going to be doing is trying to let the evil uh, version of Alora out. So that's 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 where I think we go with the first several episodes, maybe in the first half of next season. Does that see it? Does it is it that's that feasible? I, I I think that sounds great, and uh, like that's a very likely uh, possibility for what's going to happen. 
Uh, we have just written their season two for them. So all they need to do is tune into the Moonshine Jesus show and we have given them their plots for the and, next season. And, and send us our residual checks for writing it for them. That's, that's right. <laughs> um, I, I've heard that that pays better. Than, yeah, than I think it does than what we do. Yeah, I think it might pay a little uh, bit. I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing uh, uh, like a questioning of call, Mark. Like, did <laughs> I, should I be here? Is this the right thing? Uh, should hey, I listen to You know, the right person offered me the right job for the right money. You never know. You never know. <laughs> maybe, maybe my calling isn't as solid as I thought it was. <laughs> Well, this has been fun. I've really enjoyed talking with you about uh, Willow, Mark, and uh, we've got some exciting news oh, yeah. for people. Uh, so here's here's something you all need to know, especially if you live in Southern California. Okay, so Absolutely. if you live in Southern California, this is exciting news for you because this week, Mark and I are going to be together in yes. person. And so yes. we thought, hey, while we're together, we should really do a live episode mm -hmm. of the Moonshine Jesus Show because it is so much more fun to be like in the same room with each other and right. in the same room with other people. So on Sunday, we're going to be meeting in San Diego, California at a bar called Uptown Tavern in Hillcrest of San Diego. And around Lovely. noon, we're going to eat, we're going to drink. And we're going to talk some theology and politics. And you want to tell them what we're going to be talking about, oh, Mark? Yeah, I'm very excited about this. I am a gamer. I, I love video uh -huh. games. And probably one of the biggest movies and, and TV shows are notorious about taking a video game and absolutely destroying it and making it no good anymore. <laughs> But every now and there, there's the rare exception. And recently, that rare exception has happened, at least based on the, the early reviews. It is a show called The Last of Us. It's a very dystopian kind of setting for The Last of Us. Uh, it takes place about 20 years after modern civilization has basically been destroyed. Uh, it has a lot to do with, imagine this, uh, a virus or some sickness that's, that's going around. And so the main character, one of the main characters, Joel, sort of a hardened survivor kind of guy, is he's hired to smuggle this 14-year-old girl, Ellie, uh, out of this sort of oppressive quarantine zone. And as you might expect, a really interesting relationship begins to form as they, they head out. And there's two episodes available now. They're an hour each. So this will be one of those cool things where we can talk about it early on. You and I can kind of forecast what we think is going to happen. And then when the season's over, we can come back and um, review and talk about the full season, but also see where our hits and misses were. For me, that's always fun. I don't know what you think. I love it because we just made a bunch of projections about Willow, but here's the thing: yeah. we're gonna have to wait like a year to see if at we, least if we were right? right, and we're gonna and we're gonna forget by then. Yeah. But if it's just a, a month or so, we can still kind of hold on and mm -hmm. we can say Mark was wrong about that. <laughs> we say that a lot. We say that a lot. And I'm okay with it. I'm I, going I, to get I, it's that. actually usually the other way. I think Caleb <laughs> did not get that. Mark got it. Okay. So we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about this on Sunday at noon. We're going to do a live broadcast. But we'll also post this in all the usual places during our usual Moonshine Jesus times on Monday. Okay, friends, thanks for joining us for Moonshine Jesus. I can't wait to see you on Sunday if you're there. 
If not, we'll just see you on the next Moonshine Jesus show. Moonshine Jesus.